Hello and welcome to the super colorful original telecommunicated transmission, otherwise known as ScottCast. I am joined here in ScottCast's headquarters with none other than fan favorite pod king, Ian Dixon. Joining me within <laughs> six feet. Yes. Yes. We are six feet apart right now. We are observing social distance guidelines at the moment. Yeah, but uh, in-person pod for the first time in several months. Several months. It's been too long. Yeah. The, the remote podcasting doesn't have the feel of the in-person pod. Like right there. Mm-hmm. You just nodded. You're just like, yeah, that's right. I agree with that. If this was a remote podcast, I would be ranting right now thinking does he agree with me or not i'm in the middle of a sentence and i don't know how i how to feel about how what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i can't handle it i gotta have the in person and the video cam that's pathetic (laughs) i don't want to look at a 240p version of ian yeah like slightly gesticulating you know like how much how much information am I supposed to get from like the way your shoulders move? But we're here in person, and I thought to commemorate the return of Scottcast Headquarter recording. We had a little feast beforehand. We had a giant turkey leg mm-hmm. for the Pod King. Yeah, how was it? Was it delicious? I felt like a king. Yeah, very good. It was very good. Thank you for your hospitality. You're welcome. You're welcome. I am a little sleepy now because <laughs> the amount of meat and also the, uh, you know, the the effect of turkey in particular. Tryptophan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was debunked or not. Uh, that tryptophan itself causes sleepiness, but for sure, gorging yourself on like twelve pounds of meat does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. So, was it the best idea to kick off ScottCast headquarters for the listener? Mm, Who knows? But I say it's not about you. It's not about the listener. It's about the producer. That's that. That's how a great podcast is measured, not how it's received in downloads. That's how not mm-hmm. how it's received by strangers listening on their phones, um, cleaning their dishes. It's it's about how it feels to be in pod space, talking mm-hmm. pod. You know, yeah. There's something about that. I had a question for you, actually. Okay. You know, sublimation. I know that word. Yeah. Okay, so sublimation in the psychological sense where. Uh, I might be paraphrasing, probably getting it wrong a little bit, but like you translate unconscious uh, pain or desire into uh, beneficial creative work, mm-hmm. essentially. Is that, is, is that true? Is that what it's? Um, that sounds true enough. I, I, <laughs> I would have to brush up on specific terminology, but okay. yeah, close enough. Okay. So I was thinking maybe, maybe Scottcast is is like a is like a group sublimation between mm. through the triumvirate, you know? Yeah. Like Scottcast 100 came along and I didn't expect you to uh 
really latch on to the Pod King role as much as you did. Mm. You know, like you really, you you were like, no, I'm keeping it actually, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. It's in the purview of the Pod King to do such things. That's that's what makes the Pod King role so special. Mm-hmm. You know, so how much of Scott Cast is us sublimating our internal desires and uh, and um, psychological unconsciousness. I mean, isn't that any creative output? I don't know where creativity comes from, but from struggle, I guess. Right? I mean, it always seems like a struggle when you're doing it, but then you look at people who are really good at it, and it's like they're just shorthanding masterpieces. Mm-hmm. You know, are they struggling? Like uh, Leonardo da Vinci, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the world's most observational human being, mm-hmm. you could call him. Beautiful drawings, uh, scientifically accurate. He, he predicted theorems like Bernoulli's principle. Uh, he, he studied anatomy in a detailed way that was never before studied. Was this due to some unconscious uh, desire on his part? Like uh, like maybe he wasn't observed, so he does the observing now or something like that? He was a gay man in Renaissance Italy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know enough about his personal story, but I think that that sort of imagination and uh, creating uh, invention... That comes from imagining a different world, right? From yeah. some something about the world as it was wasn't enough. So I don't know if that makes him an unhappy man, but there was some drive for something better anyway. Maybe that's what Scott Cast is. It's like before Scott Cast came along, the triumvirate, we were three wandering wise men, mm-hmm. lost souls. And then Scott Cast came along and we were like, this is something that needs to be made. Because you guys stuck along over 100 episodes through, through my ranting, through your own ranting. Mm-hmm. You listen to yourselves on this thing and you're like, you know what? I'm going to keep going. <laughs> so what unconscious, what unconscious desires do you think we, we, we're expressing here? Like me, maybe it's just... Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever really ranted at people that much before Scott Cast. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'd keep my opinions to myself, and then people would once in a while say, "Hey, Scott, you're a witty man." You know, "Hey, Scott, you've got a good idea here. Mm-hmm. This seems nice," but it was always um, only once in a while. It wasn't ever like all the time. So yeah. Scott Cast is like a medium where I'm just putting out my dumb thoughts. All the time, expecting accolades, expecting praise, mm-hmm. you know. <clears throat> and of, of course, we get them because Scottcast is probably the greatest podcast in the world, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done some listening. I've heard the Joe Rogan experience. I've heard uh, another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sample of three, including mm-hmm. my own. <laughs> yeah. You know, tell him Steve Dave, that's four. There's a nameless podcast, tell him Steve Dave, there's Joe Rogan, and then there's Scott Cast. Mm-hmm. And of that ilk, 
discounting people actually subscribing, <laughs> discounting popular opinion, I believe uh, Scottcast is right up there with uh, all the best of them. That's right. Get down. <laughs> Other podcasts. All right. I forgot I had that <laughs> that sound effect lined That's up. That's a new one. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I got a little. Uh, got a little. Um, uh, machine gun, just in case things get a little riled up, because it's a very tense environment these days. <laughs> and it's just a sound effect. Everyone calm down, you know, back up. <laughs> it's just a sound effect. But I figured, like, when things get tense on Scottcast, that's what we'll, that's what I'll do, is I'll, like, put a little force into it. You're the pod king, but... Correct me if I'm wrong, Pod King as always, mm -hmm. but you've delegated most every single responsibility to me. For the most part, yeah. I'll, I'll have like veto power, I guess, if <laughs> things get out of hand. But Yeah, and um, you haven't vetoed the... <laughs> so <laughs> I think I've got a pretty high clearance. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not like I had a plan for the the cast today, so I'm just going with it. You walked in today, and I kind of thought you did have a plan mm -hmm. because, uh, I mean, looking at your outfit, it's no. This is the outfit of a man who's not showered today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, or for a few days, for that matter. <laughs> okay, I thought it was the outfit of a man with a plan. Personally, mm -hmm. it's uh, I believe. Uh, several dozen felines um, riding donuts in space. That's correct. Okay, there we go. Oh, hey, Kyle. And we got Kyle. Kyle is on top of the poker table. Hell yeah. I'm pretty much as happy as I could possibly be right now. <laughs> you know, if somebody did, somebody has a problem with this, they can get back. <laughs> I got Kyle on the poker table. Got Ian sitting six feet across. Kyle is breaking the uh, the six feet rule, though. I heard cats don't get it now. Like Oh, I heard that they did, and then now they don't again, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's one of those situations. Well, I'll give him a little pet then. There you go. Little, little pets for Kyle. So we're safe. Mm -hmm. We're doing it well in ScottCast headquarters. I, I sprayed your turkey leg with... Uh, ethyl alcohol. Did we, did we already talk about... Mention the talk, turkey leg? Yes. Okay, good. So I sprayed your turkey leg with uh, alcohol before I gave it to you, so it's nice and sanitary. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> That's what that flavor was. <laughs> and uh, we're, do we're doing pretty good. We're pretty safe. We're pretty clean here. I'm, I'm still debating whether to let uh, David into the ScottCast headquarters because, like, adding one node mm -hmm. to your life is pretty manageable. Mm -hmm. Like I somewhat know uh, your activities. You you go dumpster diving and alley diving a lot, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say a lot. <laughs> Just when the opportunity arises. Mm. <laughs> but uh, David, I don't know. Like uh, he's a fitness instructor. You know, um, mm. he's a sweaty man. 
He goes out there. He 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 puts the skin against the skin. Yeah. I don't know if he's doing that these days. Mm-hmm. Obviously, but uh, but you gotta you gotta be careful. And you gotta be selective. And also, David is trying to get me to buy all sorts of products on his uh, on his website. Yeah. He's he's starting to hawk products. He is uh, single handedly the quickest shot for monetizing something before you have an audience I've ever seen. Like, and this is coming from me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were we were aiming for a Ganesh Sticks um, promotion really early on before we really had an audience, but uh, he's going full out. He's got a full store. He's got Amazon wishlist products. Uh, he wants me to buy uh, supplements and stuff like that, but I don't know. Do you, do you think... Do you think the podcast would benefit if we were a little bit more aggro? Like you got some protein running in your blood right now. Do you feel a little bit more like uh, podcast heavy? Like like psh, I'll I'll say an opinion right now. I wouldn't say any more than usual. No, nothing. Nothing's going through you. You just ate uh, ate of the flesh of a large leg like an animal. Yeah, and um, nothing. No testosterone. You're just petting a cat. <laughs> Serene. <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm just all about cats right now. Yeah, that's fair. You got a shirt full of cats. That's not any different from my usual self. So I guess we're uh, par for the course. That's true. No effect. Well, maybe maybe your personality is actually being um, amplified right now. Let's let's be real. You're kind of uh, you're kind of aggro about your cat love right now. <laughs> <laughs> Like Kyle's like uncommonly attracted to you. Like he's mm-hmm. laying out like a like a centerfold for you right now. <laughs> you got your cat shirt on. Like uh, you're putting out those uh, cat leader vibes. Mm-hmm. It's almost like uh, you're embodying your cat boy persona. That could be from a Hamtramck Avengers pod comics. Yeah. Maybe I'm gonna have like. An unfortunate accident and actually become a cat boy. <laughs> it's the next final destiny in. I could see that happening, you know? Yeah. With the with the isolation that's happening these days, if if something were to occur, like um you're walking down a Hamtramck alley one day and then a cat comes by and tips over a pile of garbage that's full of radiation and you're mm. like, ah, and your cat shirt gets grafted to you and like all the cat hair that's on you mm-hmm. fuses with your DNA and you become cat boy. Don't ask me why someone in Hamtramck's throwing away radiation. I mean, wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a couch, there's a fridge that's locked. <laughs> saying keep out in bright red letters. And there's a pile of uranium. They're not using it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Throw it out for anybody who could use it. I've heard about that, though. There's, um, like in the 60s or 70s, there was this news clipping I saw recently where uh, basically a kid, a physics student, Mm -hmm. a college student, um, came up with a plan that could feasibly be an atom bomb. Mm. So... If it's that easy to make, that uh, like a college student could create it, I mean, odds are the general populace can get to that level. Odds are 
there's probably a trash can laying around full of uranium and plutonium and all that. Mm. Because if I know anything about a project that that's a little too crazy at the moment for your <laughs> capabilities, is you, <laughs> you get all the materials, then you let it expire in your fridge, and then you throw it out. <laughs> yeah, you know that's ninety percent of the occasions with those projects. And if an atom bomb is in that list, there's a whole lot of trash cans right now <laughs> out there, full of uranium, plutonium, uh, all sorts of radioactive compounds. Probably stuff that we wouldn't even realize would work, but you know they did the right Google searches and they figured it out. Yeah, you know, like what if you bunch up a tin foil, throw it in a microwave, wait 10 minutes, and then that's radioactive enough. <laughs> Someone check the science on, on that for me. <laughs> I'm sure that is incorrect, but uh, we'll, for the sake of argument, we'll let it ride. Okay. <laughs> David and I have been getting into arguments on Twitter. About atom bombs? <laughs> Close. <laughs> About space. Mm. And stuff like that. Because after publishing the, the, the Planetary Xenophobe podcast... Yeah. By the way, uh, before I get into that topic, uh, you've been acing it with episode titles mm. mid-episode. Yeah. I believe the last few episodes, uh, besides Feedcast 2, you directly named just by saying something. Mm. You know, pushing the boundaries of prattling. Ian Dixon quote. <laughs> Planetary xenophobe, Ian Dixon quote. There are a lot of people out there detracting the idea that you're pod king. Mm. But I want to raise that evidence to those people and say, pod king for a reason? Possibly. Possibly. So David and I have been arguing. Yeah. We're space. arguing about space. And uh, the conclusion we got to after, like, many, many tweets and uh, arguing with David means you have to number all your points mm -hmm. because he goes on at least three trains of thought in any given utterance. Mm -hmm. So you, you got to break down the different topics within the trains of thought right. numerically so that a layman like me can, can even have hope to continue. So we're doing this for a while, and we get to the point where we're like, it's not that space is overfunded. It's that everything else is grossly underfunded. Mm -hmm. Space and the amount of effort and money we throw at it should be the benchmark for every scientific discipline we have. I can agree with that. Is there a scientific discipline that is kind of a joke, though? Like linguistics? Like, who cares? <laughs> we all understand each other. There's nothing to fix. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, you're saying no. I'm, uh, I'm not going to. I don't know enough about linguistics to make a reasonable argument, but I, uh, I'm sure there's value. I feel like there's psychological value, right? Yeah. Because so much of our emotions are uh, built on how we're thinking, mm -hmm. and how we think is so much built on how we um, express our thoughts. 
Yes. And how we express our thoughts is through language. So maybe psychologically, even linguistics. Well, how about like mm. uh, insectology, right? Bugs. Mm. Study of bugs. Do we really need that? What's the difference between learning about bugs and learning about dinosaurs? Do we need to learn about dinosaurs? <laughs> that was what, <laughs> what you wanted to learn about more than space. That's what I was told I wanted to learn about more than space. That's what I actually feel. But mm -hmm. in the realm of concept, maybe dinosaurs are useless. There's a lot of people out there these days mm -hmm. that are saying uh, the dinosaurs are a red herring implanted by either the governments or uh, some theological entity mm -hmm. to throw us off the scent. Of what? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the age of the earth. Oh. There's a lot of controversy over like the age of uh, planets and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. it seems to break down between people who believe the universe is billions of years old in, in some form or the other. Very, very large amount of time. Mm -hmm. Versus people who believe that like uh, planets and stuff like that are two to 5,000 years old. Mm -hmm. Like... Things just now got started, and everything was kind of designed that way on purpose. Mm -hmm. Almost a simulation theory argument. So we should let those people guide our scientific research? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm merely positing that they exist as people. Yeah. <laughs> the simulation theory, though, is pretty interesting in the sense that... Uh, a lot of people, a lot of very smart people um, seem to really be behind it mm -hmm. or, or, or uh, at least profess to say that they believe in it. Mm -hmm. Like um, Elon Musk, for instance, yeah. believes in simulation theory. Uh, Scott Adams, he made the Dilbert cartoon. Here he's a huge prick. He is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He believes in the simulation theory. Uh, he believes in it so much that he's he considers people who um, believe wholeheartedly in evolution to be losers. Mm. I, th I think the argument they make is if you can't prove it yourself personally, mm. then then you're falling for some sort of propaganda campaign. Mm. You know, which I guess is technically right in a way. I, I can't prove evolution personally. I can't like, I can't bring you holotypes of fossils and point out the reasons that uh, they follow each other. Mm -hmm. I believe it. I, lo I love looking at birds and thinking that, uh, that they're dinosaurs who just found a better way of living. I view birds as like dinosaurs discovered Zen mm -hmm. and became birds. Yeah. They're like, why are we getting bigger and bigger and bigger? Asteroids are hitting us. There's lava everywhere. Continents are moving around. What's the point of being a giant T-Rex when, when you can be like a tiny little bird that flies around? Well, I mean, there's still pretty large birds. We went, uh, it was Brownwyn's birthday recently, just this, this past weekend. And uh, she wanted to be in nature because we were kind of holed up in the house for months and mm -hmm. so we went up to uh, Kensington Metro Park 
and there's like lots of trails and stuff and um there's these sandhill cranes that were huge and they're like probably four feet tall probably okay and they would like follow you around weird and they sound like what i've been led to believe dinosaurs sound like <laughs> ironically in that situation i would try to convince myself that they're not like dinosaurs they're not like dinosaurs they're not like dinosaurs <laughs> it's just a bird it's just a bird <laughs> i heard that you guys um also pulled the snow whites on that situation yeah brought some bird seed and you can just kind of hold your hand out and they'll, they'll land on you and Peck it out and fly away. What kind? What kind of birds do that? Sandhill cranes. Like, <laughs> no. I mean, they getting through my palm. They knew we had food, so I think that's why they were chasing us. But we were definitely not going to let them uh, eat from our hands, so we we kind of ran away from them. Okay. But there was a I don't know, had a woodpecker and some titmouse and uh, <laughs> like some little sparrows and small birds. I would be um, reticent to have a woodpecker on my hand. Yeah. You know, those she things had, are forceful. She had a relatively small one. Okay. And it was still pretty, pecked her pretty good. Didn't break the skin or anything, but. Yeah. And then there was a larger one following us and it landed on her and she was like, oh, fuck no. And like shook it off and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> The baby almost pierced skin over here. Yeah. You know, like uh, I was browsing the internet one day and came across woodpecker facts somehow. Uh, I would really like to have someone do a study of my internet history just to, <laughs> like, you can't disclose it to anyone, obviously, but please tell me what this means about me. But um, there was this woodpecker that, uh, like they keep like birds are more omnivorous than you'd like to believe yeah. in a way, and like like a lot of a lot of uh, uh, herbivore creatures are really omnivorous, opportunistically yeah. carnivorous. Yeah. Like deer, they'll they'll eat a bird, but like woodpeckers, like uh, they peg into trees hard enough to get through the bark, get through everything and get to like all the, what, what do they eat out of it? Like the gnats or the like whatever larvae. bugs are inside. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever bugs are in there. So if I had a woodpecker on my palm, I'd, I'd shoo it away. But Bronwyn just, just, uh, uh, just, just standing there like a, like a, like a, like a freaking like a freaking warrior. Like, yeah, eat it, <laughs> eat it. <laughs> <laughs> there was cool. some uh, some wild turkeys there too that we approached and Bronwyn befriended. I like a good wild turkey. Yeah, they they just like lays onto the scene. Yep, like yeah, we're turkeys and we're here now. Yep. Oh, what's going on, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so is that like just in Kensington, like that uh, people can uh, feed birds like that aloft uh, on their palm? I'm not sure. I I guess, I mean, they're definitely used to people. They weren't afraid. <laughs> they were like, oh, yep, that's my meal today. Yeah. I think I, I think I saw a post with uh, by Bronwyn previously in Kensington itself yep. feeding birds. And so that's kind of why I was wondering if, like, that's just the, the place to be. I guess that's the place to do it, yeah. 
birds might be smarter than you think. I mean, they because like there's no way that like the birds that are feasting there and showing up and doing all this stuff are, are like birds that like just live there all the time, right? They're birds. They they got they a, migrate. Yeah, they got a huge um living living space basically. Mm-hmm. So they must be a lot smarter than they think. Corvids, right? Corvids are definitely very smart. Yeah. Crows, ravens. Sabelle's got a couple ravens living in her backyard. Yeah. We were we were staring at them the other day. <laughs> Apparently the way you tell a difference between crow and a raven or ravens are a little bigger and they travel in pairs. Mm. You know, they're like uh, mating pairs. Whereas crows, they have like the murder, right? Yes. They got a whole bunch of crows at once. So I'm pr- we're pretty sure this is these are ravens because there's two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have any size comparisons to make or anything. And they always they always sound pissed off, like "Caw!" <laughs> like, Calm down, you're the smartest bird in the world. Like you spend 18 hours out of your day just screwing around. Calm down. You don't need to be like waking up at six in the morning all pissed off. <laughs> That's my message to the ravens outside our window. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't get on their bad side, though. They recognize faces, and they'll chase down your family and shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> insane. <laughs> it's so insane, but it's so true. Uh, that's that. I read something like that, like a like some guy fucked with a crow, fucked with a raven. Mm-hmm. It was just like throw a rock at it or something like that, and. Uh, the ravens and the crows, they communicate with each other, maybe linguistically, right? And um, and they and they tell and they teach each other that this guy's a dick. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they also teach people associated with this guy's a dick. Yep. And and they swoop in and they they just do their little crow raven antics because they don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> Crows are crows and ravens. They're they're the smartest birds in the world, but also the bums of the animal kingdom. <laughs> Get a job, <laughs> damn intelligentsia. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder, like, how smart are humans really? Mm-hmm. Right? We've got this ability to communicate. This podcast is predicated on the human ability to communicate. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll never see a crow like sit down. And record itself squawking and then send it to another crow somewhere else. True. You know, you'll never see that. But humans, we do that. Is that because we're smart or is it because we're, we're, we're dumb? The argument for dumb is, like, what's the point of all of this? Like, like the crow and the raven, they feel satisfied with 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 their lifestyle, mm-hmm. they feel satisfied with. Um, we can fly, we can get our food. All of this activity takes like a couple hours a day, and the rest of the time can be spent like nurturing the young and teaching them. That's where they say a lot of the intelligence comes from. Yeah, is the is the length of nurturing. But they're fine. It's like. They reached a place and they're good. Mm. But humans, we're constantly striving. We're yeah. constantly ambitious. We're constantly like, like let's make things better, you know? Well, I mean, for the most part, we, uh, I mean, not all of us, but society overall has kind of so- resolved the, 
the immediate needs of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy. And we've got all this extra time to not worry about dying. <laughs> it's a little too much. <laughs> so <time. laughs> we just, uh, think about those big questions and, uh, vomit that out into the, into space for other people to ponder. And I guess it's, uh, I don't know if that's makes us dumb or smart. I don't know. I think it's, uh, a comfort thing that we don't need to worry about hunting our food down right now. You know, mm-hmm. we can go to the market or we can like open the fridge. So we have that comfort thing. We have like the, the access to food, but we still act like we're always in a scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. which is, I feel like something that's distinctly human when it comes to intelligent creatures. Every other intelligent creature, it seems to me, doesn't get this weird neurotic impulse to always be looking for what's wrong mm-hmm. in the situation. They're always vigilant for predators or something, but but they're never like looking at like like ravens and crows are never fighting each other over you know perceived slights between each other. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think they are. Like ravens are sitting around being like, why do they hang out in like these huge groups? Can't they, aren't they good enough with just two like we are? Like, like what's their problem? You know, let's, let's go, let's, let's go, uh, let's go dunk some fools over there. <laughs> you know, that never happens. But with humans, like we're preoccupied with it. Yeah. Almost entirely. It's like, what, what, what can we criticize about other people? Like I constantly try to steer the podcast into criticizing people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's like the mo here. Because <laughs> I'm a dumb human. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's an ego thing. That we don't need to get into at the moment. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I'll observe the the role. Of, uh, I'll observe the word of the pod king and not get too much into the ego of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the ego of humanity. Mm. Space News. We've got Space News again. Mm. We've got a lot of Space News. i got a few articles on Space News. Is it more uh, Elon Musk news? It's, uh, that's what I think of when I think of ego. <laughs> ego in space, Elon Musk, obviously, right? <laughs> Actually, it might not be. Oh. Like, like the way I perceive ego in space is is that, like, it's almost natural genetically for people to be like, yeah, space, we need to conquer it, right? Mm -hmm. Final, final frontier kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's, it's almost encoded in us that we're going to space. (laughs) Like, what the fuck other animal thinks that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Besides humans. That's just general. Mm-hmm. I think these actual particular stories um, may not be so egotistical. Okay. <clears throat> Space Newsian. Balloon-like object in Japanese sky sets Twitter afire with talk of UFOs. Mm. Nobody knows what it is. A mysterious white object... Um, over northern Japan on Wednesday, sets social media ablaze. Uh, anything from it's a UFO to coronavirus, I don't know how they think that, to, to North Korea doing some shit. Um, there's television footage of it, you can check it out. 
Um, police couldn't be reached for comment. All the weather stations were like, this is not our weather balloon. It's just this mysterious floating thing mm-hmm. in Korea that everyone is baffled about. Like, what is this? Nobody has a clue. It's probably aliens. <laughs> you think okay. they have an ego? I mean, they got here, right? I, yeah, I guess <laughs> if they're here. What would happen if an alien race invaded us mm-hmm. and they were infinitely more egotistical than we are? It, they're basically humans, but like invasion of the narcissists. Well, they would probably destroy us pretty quickly then. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's like a that's an advantage in tribal warfare kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like manifest destiny. That was the ma- mindset of colonialists and we wiped out most of the people that we came across so good point (laughs) (laughs) that'll teach us (laughs) (laughs) you know so basically uh americans are what happens so basically the aliens will become i think that's why we have this narrative about aliens gonna come and like conquer the earth because that's a sublimation of our own uh i don't know what you call that crimes or our own, like, our own, uh, guilt. Yeah. It's a guilt, right? Because, like, we wouldn't consider it a crime if we didn't feel guilt over it, you know? Well, some of us feel guilt. Some of us feel pride. I don't know. <laughs> but they also don't call it a crime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. How, how does that guilt translate? I've always been kind of curious about that. Like, um... Uh, how does how does like the the guilt over colonialism translate? Because it's totally like I mean we're we're running rampant right now on uh, what was once Native American land. It's Michigan yeah. here. Yep, all sorts of tribes. Mound Road itself in Detroit is named after the burial mounds of uh, Native Americans found mm-hmm. around here. So where does where does guilt play genetically? I'm. Hundred percent certain, none of my decisions led to any of this. Yeah, you know, maybe my complacency in some way. Mm-hmm. But um, but how how does guilt uh, play historically? Like, let's be real. I have Southerners in my past. I don't know if they co-mingle with the with the antebellum period or anything mm-hmm. like that. If you know what I'm saying. But uh, they probably co-mingle during the Civil War period. You know. Yeah. Odds are, people in my family fought on the white flag side of the Civil War. Mm. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> okay. Someone won. It wasn't it wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm so obsessed with world conquering. <laughs> Genetic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. What do you have guilt about that? It's it's hard to place it, right? Of course, I I feel like uh, there was absolutely no um, justification for 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 the rampant stealing and marginalization, and uh, basically just pushing away because they were inconvenient of indigenous people. That was just, I mean, it's arguably, you know, only because there's stiff competition. It's arguably <laughs> the worst thing Americans have done. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, it's. There was zero chances for me to say no to anything. Yeah, you know, you didn't in, in those make times, any decisions that contributed to that. 
because yeah. you couldn't have. I mean, I suppose if I did, my guilt would be through the fucking roof. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But you're benefiting from those those actions. Hundred percent. Like I love living where I live. Yeah. I, I, I love the I love like as as much as the society we're in is is, is broken and it needs fixing. Like I love it. I love that we're that I'm in it. I hundred percent don't like uh, not take advantage of my station in life. You know. Right. I don't pay self reparations. That's that's like a big thing that's going on these days. Is um, like on Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, people are posting their cash apps and their Venmos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the idea is uh, uh, reparations aren't a legal entity, but that doesn't mean you can't uh, just contribute. Mm-hmm. So uh, people of color and stuff like that. I, I don't even know the terms to use, but a few of them, at least on Twitter posting their uh, payment information. Mm-hmm. I haven't contributed. I haven't put a, put a dollar into into that thing, but... Well, that's a tricky thing, too, is, like, how would you... Because there's a lot of people that would need to be reparated. What is the word for that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's injustices brought upon people's ancestors right? that, that lead to them being in a, in a current state of kerfufflement, mm-hmm. at the very least. Yeah. So, like, what what do I? I mean, there's there's a little bit I can contribute, but how much do I contribute and then feel like I've reparated? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the limit? You know, like, like, where's what's the price for being reparated? And it's not just these, you know, handful of accounts that would need to be, yeah, considered. There's lots of people, and you can't possibly, even if you gave a dollar to everyone, you would be broke now <laughs> odds are the people who need the money the most aren't uh spending their time on twitter right <laughs> you know like in a large part large portion of it yeah I'm, I'm, I'm for reparations but i think there needs to be a, a well thought out system to make it happen it has to make sense and it's really difficult to make sense when so many hands have changed in the process like when the crimes were committed it was black and white mm-hmm. you know pardon the expression neighborhoods would basically get taken over, mm-hmm. right? Very little paid uh, to the people who are in the neighborhoods, largely due to uh, racist policies and stuff like that. Right. So that would be an easy reparation idea, right? Like in that time, mm-hmm. people got fucked over and need to be unfucked. Yeah. Simple equation. Mm-hmm. Problem is that happened 60 years ago, you know? And I'm not saying it all happened 60 years ago, but... I, I'm clearly uneducated on this situation. <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. So it's just such a nebulous, nebulous area to be in. Of course, you got to defer to some sort of leadership, but which leadership do you defer to? The ones who created all the racist policies? <laughs> not them people. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Probably not those guys. <laughs> so you got to yeah. you got to find somebody new. You know. So I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot to figure out there, and I I would say. Right now, just working for change to get rid of those those practices to support the black community, whether that's like uh, patronizing black businesses, stuff like that to to bring opportunity for growing the wealth of that community right now, I think is makes more sense than like trying to figure out who to Venmo some money too. 
you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the Venmo idea is a, is a little flawed, but you know, I, I like, I like the, I like that it's happening and only in the sense that it's just like, it, it's, it's telling people, Hey, you know what? Why are we relying on the system of government to create this uh, balance of justice? Yeah. Why don't, why don't we just put it in our own hands? And that spirit I love. Yeah. You know, because system of government, like in, in the process of creating justice, like, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense. It's, it's the, it's the perpetrator of the injustice throughout mm-hmm. history. Government, government's job is to be the main oppressor so that everyone else can get on with their lives. Right. You know, it, like having one solid oppressor. makes most things under it a little bit more organized if you were fighting between like several factions of oppressors Mm -hmm. right like in like some sort of tribal time Mm -hmm. or something like that like you want to know who 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 to bow down to you 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 just be like who's right in front of me at the moment you know so having the main oppressor i feel like simplified things a little but we're still dealing with the fact that uh, we didn't come from like graceful creatures such as dinosaurs. We 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 came from we 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 came from violent primate, ancient primate creatures mm-hmm. who regularly embark on uh, murderous wars. Chimpanzees, our closest relative mm-hmm. uh, genetically, I think, they have tribes and they have wars. They'll exist peacefully amongst each other. But if they find out there's a chimpanzee tribe 50 yards yonder, mm-hmm. you know, swinging through some branches, they'll conspire together and they'll show up in the middle of the night and murder as many as they can, mm-hmm. drive them away. You know, when, when you see it in an animal population, you're like, wow, this really is not a product of our logic. It's a, it's, it's a product of our uh, chemicals. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Space news. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's what potting is about. Maybe we are smart creatures and fighting our own biology, trying to stop being the warring primates. But I don't know. That's that's what we are. We're like Terminator 2 when Arnold realizes he wants to be a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> John Connor's like, oh, you can't kill people. Why? (laughs) That's where we're at right now. Human life, human society. (laughs) We're at that point where where Arnold is just trying to grasp (laughs) what morality is. Like, he's doing good. He's doing way better than he did the last movie. But but it's a process, and we're mid process, and it's it's kind of it's kind of working through, you know. So I, I guess that's just where we're at. Yeah, you know, we're we're mid monkey right now, basically. We're mid monkey, uh, mid chimp, mid mid evolution towards some sort of peaceful ideal, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know. And I think we're kind of trending that way, right? I think so. I mean, I hope so. I don't don't know. (laughs) I mean, There's days that I wonder, but (laughs) I feel like 
the fact that we're struggling right now is a sign of change to come. Yeah. Because if we weren't struggling, it would just be continuing down the spiral, right? It would be. It, it would, if we weren't struggling, then it would be normal. Like if all this stuff was happening today and, and, and we just ignored it, then that's not really progress, but but we're we're paying attention to it, and and we're we're like, what's the solution? I don't know the solution. That exchange by itself, we're asking the right questions. You're asking the right questions, and that's that's where advancement comes from. That's why you got to fund all sciences. You don't you you don't ignore space. You don't you don't back up. <laughs> <laughs> You don't ignore space. You don't ignore linguistics. You, you you ask all the questions. You ask the right questions, and you allow the questions to be asked, even if you don't know the answer. Humans don't like asking questions they don't know the answer. Just back up and ask them. That's how I say. Mm-hmm. That's a Scott take. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it just happens. It just goes away. We're... Uh... Right in the middle of it. I think that was a good wrap up of that that section. We're, gunfire. we're moving on to <laughs> additional space news. More space news. Space news. The end of the world is on Sunday. Oh shit. When this publishes. <laughs> Get everything you need to say out now, man. <laughs> There has been a, you know, in 2012, the Mayan calendar, it ended. Yeah. Right there. And then um, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Well, according to scientists. The Mayans had a contingency calendar. <laughs> there's another one. <laughs> uh, according to scientists, there were errors uh, when um, translating from the Mayan to the Gregorian, mm. uh, which... There's some difference of like 11 days per year. And uh, they add it up. And so, according to the new calculations, uh, the end of the world is June 21st, 2020. Okay. Is that what those UFOs are about? Maybe, you know. Maybe those UFOs in Korea are... uh, are, are are just waiting around for uh, for the right day. They're mm-hmm. like the Mayans told us to show up here. Uh, we use the Gregorian calendar. They seem to be thinking we were going to use a different calendar. Uh, I wish the humans would be more consistent over here. <laughs> but, Maybe because uh, that was what the pyramids were supposed to be about, right? We we're like communicating with uh, outer space. Yeah. And the Mayans had pyramids, but apparently they weren't, their math was like too complex and like aliens showed up in Korea for some reason instead of <laughs> Central America. The aliens were like, we didn't understand the equation, guys. <laughs> like we've mastered space flight, but these Mayans, they're wizards. <laughs> it's like, geez. <laughs> you know, you think they would have been able to beat off Spaniards. <laughs> <laughs> They were too busy with their math. Spaniards just showed up like, get out of here. <laughs> so, so that's the end of the world, man. Like, 
we're so close to becoming a human society that uh, actually <laughs> gave a shit about each other. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's it. Uh, call it a day. I guess. Uh, I guess in the video game world, like we'd be like, oh damn, you know, and yeah. then, like you see the points being tallied, and like it's like technological progress. We got like a seventy at a hundred, and like, uh, and like. Um, Linguistic pro- progress, like you know, James Joyce existed, so we get a ninety out of hundred. And, um, and and when it comes to humanitarian progress, it's like uh, first off, because we call it humanitarian, we're not we're 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 not thinking about all the other creatures in the universe, so we immediately get degraded like thirty points. <laughs> and then even with humanitarian progress, we really suck dick. So <laughs> like a forty out of hundred. And like I, I'm afraid of that end 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 game screen right now. Yeah. Like I want I want civilization to go out with a bang. You know, like mm-hmm. I want it to be because like we have come together as a as an earthen ecosystem, and and we've learned to we've learned to engineer the stars, and we've learned to engineer the planets, and to create our own living space, not in the, in terms of a limited, scarce Earth, mm-hmm. but in terms of whatever we can dream of. We're going to create a universe. We're going to, like, there's going to be a whole section of the universe dedicated to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to make a Tatooine eventually. I'm, I, I'm positive. This, this podcast is going to go down in history as the first podcast that just says it point blank. Eventually, given enough time, Humans will create Tatooine so that they can have better shots when making the next Star Wars movie. Mm. You know, Disney is a powerful company. But if we're ending on Sunday, uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) We got a little distracted, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Well. What's, 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 uh, if the world ended on Sunday, mm-hmm. what's what's something that you'd regret you didn't get to do, get to say, get to get to think about, get to participate with? I mean, there's all sorts of things I would like to do, but mm-hmm. I don't think I regret anything. Okay, thus you, far, sure. Okay, you don't regret your like uh, choices that led up led up to the random end of the world because the Mayans suck at math or great at math. I, I don't know <laughs> the story we're going with yet. <laughs> I mean, there's choices that were bad, but I don't know that I would uh, take them back. I think they were part of my journey and they helped me become who I am. So Yeah. I will say pretty much every decision I made that I can uh, 100% verify was idiotic wasn't idiotic at the time to me. Yeah. Like, I put the pieces together like, yeah, this is a great idea right now, Scott. You go right ahead. Put some gas on that. Have a drink before you do it, too. (laughs) (laughs) You know? That's wonderful. That's a great... So, so like, regrets are kind of like a weird concept to deal with, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, can you feel guilt without regret like like i don't have any regrets for how i lived but i feel guilt for like ancestors and stuff like that right. I, I feel guilt for uh uh my place and my advantages or, mm-hmm. or how it goes well apparently you can then yeah 
<laughs> oh, well, never mind then. <laughs> I just rewrote it. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, it's a big complex emotion, right? It's like, where does what come from where? Right. Space news. <laughs> Space news. But do you like that? It's a it's a mixer. So when I when one sounds too loud, I just bring it down a little bit. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> you know, if you think this is a, a superfluous purchase, get, get the fuck back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> when I do that, I, I imagine like a guy like shooting at someone's feet, like yeah, yeah, you know, not, not straight up murder. I I got the same picture. If, if that's what you're thinking, get back. All right, space news. This is this is the good one. <clears throat> the International Space Station. <laughs> this, this is the good one. Beyond the world ending tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the space station is getting a new toilet. <laughs> cool. I love space news. <laughs> is this the one that uh, can make like moon cement with the, with the urine i think it's completely unrelated to that one actually oh, now that i think a about different it. toilet like i feel like uh it's it's for different reasons that they designed this toilet so the space station is getting a new toilet sending it up into space um and uh so apparently the toilet in the international space station has been a big problem mm. you know uh as you can imagine, in a zero-gravity environment, or there's no such thing as zero-gravity, Scott Science told me. There's only low-gravity or, or something like that. I'm not sure what he said. That's, I guess that's true. I guess. Um, so in, a, in an environment of lessened gravity, mm-hmm. gravity uh, it's, it's difficult to really figure out how to do the toilet business. So what this does is it includes a bar. Um, at the foot of the toilet, mm-hmm. you, you lock your feet into the bar mm-hmm. and you basically do a calf raise to uh, lock yourself down into the chute, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then I suppose the idea is you keep your butt sealed onto the seat and then you flush it out, Right. Is that dangerous? That's what I'm thinking. It's like, <laughs> we're going to get some weird headlines like where like, an astronaut just got shot through space. <laughs> There's a thing like uh, those pool drains. If you like sit the wrong way next to that, mm-hmm. it can like pull your intestines out of you. That's right. I, I read a Chuck, Chuck Polyanox story yeah. about that once. Uh, really cringy and like... An experience of a reading experience, this Czech Pile next door. Maybe I'll link it in the show notes. But um, you, you, for some reason, <laughs> I don't know why, but people tend to go into their swimming pools, they swim deep under it, in, 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 into the depths of it, and then they sit upon the filter suction thing, and then their intestines are sucked right through it, do the suction. And that's just a pool filter. Mm-hmm. In space, like you're dealing with a, you're it's a dealing pretty massive difference in uh, pressure. Yeah, yeah. Like 
that's a trauma film right there by itself. (laughs) (laughs) Like the the space toilet, Uh, the horror film. They they send people up to space. I think that would be a great thing for Lloyd to do, right? Like Lloyd's a big man of science in in, in ways. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a proponent of of learning and all that. Um, he could have a movie coming out where he gets to use um, all the anti gravity funness that all the all the elites are bragging about, like mm-hmm. uh, like the Virgin Galactic. Uh, Elon Musk, they're all having these um, these tourist trap uh, plane rides, basically, where they take the plane up into the space and back down, and or they simulate no gravity by basically descending super stupid quick or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the science works. Scott, science, email in, please. Um, but uh, they they do all this and it simulates that and that would be a perfect uh, setting for a Lloyd Kaufman space film, like film completely in zero gravity. Get Tom Cruise involved. He's into this. You know, it's the first Tom Cruise led Lloyd Kaufman film. <laughs> Holy shit, that would be amazing. That would be that would blow up the world right there. Like a, a Tom Cruise movie. That's directed by a great director of like normal cinema kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, of of, of uh, I should say uh, promoted cinema, right? But um, imagine Tom Cruise like signing up to be the leading actor in a Lloyd Kaufman film. Would that completely change your opinion of Tom Cruise? I've got. Kind of a weird respect for Tom Cruise. I know he's a he's a crazy person, uh, and the Scientology stuff is bothersome. And I don't really care for most of his filmography. Like, <laughs> I don't like anything about the guy, but <laughs> but I respect like his stunt work and that he like he goes balls out for those Mission Impossible movies and like has hurt himself and <laughs> like he's really serious about doing things practically and I appreciate that. That's a big thing with you. Yeah. You, you you hate the CGI. Mm-hmm. You love the practical. And if a man's willing to injure himself for the practical, <laughs> you'll excuse Scientology. <laughs> you will excuse uh all that ageless stuff. He's a billionaire. You'll excuse that. <laughs> you know, you'll excuse Katie Holmes. You'll excuse the couch jumping. Yeah. All for the sake of practical effects. I'm starting to get a, a clear view of your priorities in life. Well, I didn't say I would excuse all those things. I, I think I, I respect that part of what he does. Okay. So, with addition, like... So, if he were to do that sort of stuff in the context of a trauma film, that would be exciting. That would be amazing. Is particularly a trauma film where Tom Cruise's guts get sucked out of his rectum and thrown into space. <laughs> yes. Like, now that's a stunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sprained your ankle sometime, Tommy. But uh, uh, try having your intestines uh, grafting uh, the moon, which is also a thing, by the way. Um, they are considering, if we're talking about a wasteful space, space missions Mm -hmm. and environmentalism like 
the cost benefit analysis really comes into play because they're considering space missions to the moon mm-hmm. uh, to clean up the human waste that was left there during the Apollo missions. Okay. So there's like 70, bag, 70 pounds of like shit on the moon right now. I mean, I don't think there's anything to hurt there. There's nothing to hurt. Isn't there. going there going to just use a lot of uh, fuel and stuff and maybe make more of a mess down here? That's a thought. But let me counter that. Okay. When you clean your house mm-hmm. and it's spotless and there's like a little mess somewhere, like mm-hmm. a can't or a little spill. Yeah. You always go to town to freaking clean that very little amount. Yeah. Whereas if your place was a mess already, you wouldn't even bother. You wouldn't even look at it. Mm-hmm. So right now, the moon could be completely clean. Mm-hmm. Completely. All you have to do is get rid of 70 pounds of shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's either like some terrible slob or some really obsessive compulsive person working at NASA and is like, man, we got to take care of this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, look, it's almost clean, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I looked at the budget and you know what? It's worth it. (laughs) It's worth it. (laughs) We could do this. We can have a clean moon. Mm -hmm. We could have it today. It's very possible. And where's it going to go? We're going to bring it back? Yeah, I guess that's the idea. (laughs) (laughs) The Earth will become the trash bag. (laughs) And the moon will become the the, um, clean thing. Which, Which also kind of brings up a thought with me just now. Is like, why don't we just like shoot our landfill into space? Why don't we just shoot stuff into space all the time? It's big. It's bigger than our planet for sure. That's true. You know, like just take a rocket, send all our trash to space. Like we don't need it anymore. Send it away. Like, like not orbiting. You don't want it orbiting. That's insane. But like, I think that would be the problem. You would have to. It'd be very expensive. You'd have to fill a rocket and like fly it out where it's not going to get sucked back in by our gravity. Okay. What if? So you couldn't just like shoot it up and like expect that it's gonna float out somewhere. You'd have to really like go out quite a ways. Yeah. So that that is a that is a shot, isn't it? Mm. Maybe though. If you I shoot mean it'd it, probably burn up when it came back down, but <laughs> natural incineration. <laughs> like shoot it that's a good point. Don't shoot it into orbit. Shoot it barely into orbit. And uh, allow it to calm down. Like, all our nights will be beautiful displays of, like, the Burning green <laughs> trash in the sky. <laughs> and, like, every night, like, there will be, like, like, in a few generations when it's not novel anymore, it's like trash watching will be, like, a beautiful thing, you know, <laughs> that people do with their children. They're just like, did you know that before this, we just kind of, Hung out with the trash? (laughs) That's insane, right? (laughs) 
And now we got this beautiful display. We got like all this room, all these landfills of parks now. And, <laughs> you know, you go to the landfill park, <laughs> you know, the, the, the trash memorial highway, and uh, you get a lawn chair and, and, you, and you take your, take your kid and you're like, this is progress. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, Ian, what did we learn today? Ooh, well, we learned a lot about uh, colonialism and space and uh, how, I guess, we're trying to, to be good, but we just kind of uh, vomit trash everywhere we go. <laughs> yeah, whether it's uh, conceptual trash, literal trash, uh, space trash, um, pretty much everything the human being does uh, revolves around trash itself. Yeah, the human human problem is literally dealing with trash. It's just waste management. We have so much waste. If we fix that, which we could, just by burning it through orbit. Mm-hmm. We'd have a peaceful, uh, clean planet. And of course, a lot of this trash could be packaging trash from like, uh, from like boxes and stuff like that, or, or even like uh, uh, trash from um, products that you purchase from the Scott Cast store. Yeah. You didn't think they. You thought that we wouldn't have an ad <laughs> in this episode. I just remembered we forgot the ad. You got to go to thescottcast.com and you got to subscribe to the Scottcast there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you subscribe to the Scottcast there, you can find links to the Patreon. You can find links to our store. We got T-shirts. We got bean bags. We got... Uh, we got pictures drawn by fan favorite Ian Dixon. We got Sam Neill's duck merchandise. We got so much stuff that 100% when when the space orbital trash incineration program kicks into effect, your stuff will be amongst the first things people see streaking across the sky. <laughs> <laughs> you could be a part of history if only you buy stuff from the Scottcast store. Isn't that That's amazing, funny. Ian? Yeah. So their, their Scott Cast merchandise and uh, Tom Cruise's intestines will be the first things. <laughs> yeah. That... <laughs> Isn't that the world you want to live in? <laughs> like, be honest with me, Scott Castigators. You want to live in this world. This is the world you want. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if we can escape the Bunker Society hellscape that we've painted before, this is the way to do it. And the way to do it is to make sure this trash problem becomes the number one problem in the world. And the space incineration program is the number one solution to that number one problem. So the only way forward, obviously, is to purchase stuff from the Scott Cast store. That's right. So, I get on that right now.
I learned <laughs> <laughs> that uh, when I write four pages of notes, the best idea is to just ignore them completely for the most part until you get to space news. There you go. <laughs> you know, because natural conversation with a good friend across from the table from you in a fine feline sitting between y'all on the table having a nice little nap because clearly our conversation is boring. That is the best medicine for the travails of the day. So... From the Super Colorful Original Telecommunicated Transmission, otherwise known as Scottcast. I bid thee adieu. See you later, Scottcastigators. Oh, hell, Scottcast. Glory be to Scottcast. And glory be to the Pod King Ian Dixon. You're here. There you go. <laughs>